Hey gang, welcome to Dateline Louisiana, a provocative look at the deepest of the deep southern states. Thoughts that are informative, candid, humorous, and sometimes controversial about life in one of the most interesting and rabble-rousing states in the nation. Here are your hosts, Anna Gray and Jim Brown. Hey, thank you for joining us today on Dateline Louisiana. I'm Jen Brown with my co-host, Rhonda Gray. Ron, a lively show today. We're going to talk about sports, and you are the sports experts <laughs> that I will tell our listeners about. So you all geared up and ready? I'm definitely not the sports expert, but I did work for the LSU Athletic Department and uh, was an associate athletic director for many years. Now, whoa, 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 whoa. Producer Chris, did you hear that? <laughs> she says she was the assistant athletic director at one of the major powerhouses in the whole country, LSU. I don't know a whole lot about sports. Of course she does. <laughs> she knows a lot more than you and I have put together. Oh, no. That's right. But let's talk about the retirement and we're not a sports uh, show. We don't talk about sports much, but this is pretty interesting, I think. Coach Nick Saban, the Alabama massively successful coach, uh, who many think will go in, in in history at this stage of being one not only one of the most winning coaches, but one of the best coaches in all history. He retired at Alabama. And we know him a good bit over here, don't we, Rana? Because he won a national championship here at LSU. Won a national championship and then broke some hearts when he left. You know, of course, he left for a pro job. But still, I think people always wish that he'd stayed. Well, I think it's kind of unfair. A lot of people, when Alabama, of course, Alabama is an arch rival. And if you remove Nick Saban from the, uh, from the equation, there'd still be a lot of booing and hatred of, of Alabama because they've been so successful and they've turned into be our arch rival. It used to be Ole Miss, uh, but, uh, uh, you know, we used to fight uh, right down to the wire on Ole Miss football games. Archie Manning was the great quarterback at, at uh, Ole Miss. His son, Eli, who won a Super Bowl, was a huge success at Ole Miss. And, uh uh, it's, a, it's always a real hatred there. And I'll give you an example. Rana, you were the assistant secretary of state when I was secretary of state. I'll tell you a quick little anecdote if I can, since we've got the time here today. Uh, I was in my office one day and the, uh, the secretary said, there's a number of treasury agents downstairs to see you. Treasury agents, what do they care about the Louisiana secretary of state? Bring them on up. So these agents come up and they show me a $100 bill. Where'd you get this $100 bill? I don't know. I had no idea. Where'd you get it? They says, well, we traced it back to your office. Well, and, and it turned out to be the first of many $100 bills that were produced by a group that was kind of actually involved with Billy Cannon, the great LSU running back, the first LSU uh, Heisman Trophy winner, somebody who is just uh, uh, just uh, adored in, in the lore of LSU. And I said, I don't know, let's check. Well, we checked. And again, some, somebody had paid for a corporation and they'd given a $100 bill and they'd passed down the line from several hands. It was, well, it was the first $100 bill. And uh, I told this story to groups regularly. And I said, you know, I got a little suspicious when I saw that $100 bill because down the bottom where it normally says, in God we trust, it said, go to hell, Ole Miss. So I was kind of a little suspicious, maybe there's something wrong with Well, that was the intensity of the rivalry between LSU and Ole Miss. Now it became Alabama. Right. Uh, that's our rival. 
So if Nick Saban would, was not in the mix, we still wouldn't be happy. Uh, as you said, Rana, he left LSU to go to the National Football League, coached two seasons, the Miami Dolphins. Didn't really like it that much, and, and his foray was not to be a professional coach. You know, uh, the coaches got to kind of do a lot of ego uh, uh, boosting, and these prima donna football players and the pros are making a lot more money than the coaches. They've all got agents and a whole cadre, and you got to put up with all that. That was not Nick Saban's foray. He decided I wanted to come back into coaching. Now, and so LSU fans were just incredulous that he would go to Alabama. Now, Rana, there's a little story that we don't have any confirmation of, but what have you heard about Saban when he first decided to come back to the college ranks? Well, I think I've heard the same story you have, that he was interested in coming back to LSU. But, you know, you got a new coach and contracts and a lot of uh, other factors there now. So I don't know that it was possible, really, but I do think he liked it here. And, he, you know, it's interesting, Jim, he came to LSU because he was at Michigan State and he hated having an in-state rival and especially hated being second banana to Michigan. And so it was Michigan and Michigan State. And he used to say, you know, I don't have that in Louisiana. The LSU is it. It's the flagship school. I don't have to fight recruiting. I can have anybody I want in the state. I can pretty much pick them off. And it's so interesting that he ends up going back in the college ranks where there is was a strong in-state rival. Their big rivalry was Auburn and Alabama. Are you an Auburn or Alabama fan? So he just went up there and wiped them, wiped the floor with Auburn, you know, and then I guess maybe he settled on LSU would be a better rival for us. Let's just ignore the fact that Alabama has another university that happens to play football. Well, you were right. Uh, Les Miles, uh, who, who had also won a national championship, but went out under uh, a kind of uh, weird circumstances and didn't win a lot of games and and he limped out of his five-year contract, but he just signed this big contract when Saban, agent at least, expressed an interest in him coming back to LSU. I personally wish he would come back. I'm a huge LSU, rather Nick Saban fan. I can tell you a couple little anecdotes, Rana. Uh, I had a good friend of mine who has passed away, but was Saban, one of Saban's very close friends here at LSU. And he told me the story how they were out at dinner one night on a Saturday night about 11 o'clock at night and with their wives. And the phone, Saban's cell phone rings. And he talks a minute and he gets up and excuses himself. It was gone about 30 minutes. And then he came back to the table. When they're leaving the restaurant, my friend asks, hey, coach, is there any problem? I see you had a long call. He says, no, it was just one of my recruits. It's one of your recruits. He says, yeah, I give my cell phone number to my recruits, not the, the, it's not the players. This is the recruit. He says, I tell them they can call and talk to me about anything. We'll talk about football, talk about your girlfriend, whatever you want to talk about, you call me. Now, how many college coaches would give their uh, cell phone number to a recruit to call him on a Saturday night at 11 o'clock at night to talk about his love life with his girlfriend? And, but Nick Saban did that because his whole life was focused on football. The other anecdote I'll tell you is that 
when LSU played, uh, rather when uh, yes, when LSU played Alabama for the national championship, I think it was 2007. They played at the Superdome in New Orleans, which is a great venue for us. We won uh, uh, two previous championships there in the Superdome, and uh, so the night before the game. Uh, my wife and I, with some friends, stayed on the same floor as the LSU team at the Hilton Hotel down in New Orleans. We were on the same, just luckily, we, they had some extra rooms to put us on that floor. And we observed the LSU team. They were there with their girlfriends. They were had their earphones on. They were listening to music. They just were kind of chilling out. There was no team meetings or anything like that. They just were kind of hanging out. Well, Nick Saban called my father-in-law, who at the time owned most of the movie theaters in New Orleans. He said, uh, Mr. Solomon, could I have one of your theaters? I'm going to bring my team the night before to watch a, a film. And can you arrange the film? My father-in-law said, sure. He said, Coach, I'll be happy to do that for you. Saban gets a film called, uh, it was called, uh, oh, now I reached a blank. It was the, the Black uh, Pilots. Uh, Red Tails, Red Tails it was called. It was a group of African-American pilots. And at one point, in this, they were about to go with the fight, and the colonel who's over them gets up and says, let me tell you what, we're going to fight to the last group. We're going to fight to the last plane. We're going to fight to the last machine gun, the last bullet. We're going to fight, fight, fight uh, to his, uh, to all of these people in the movie, all these pilots in the movie. Right when he makes that point, they stop the film, and Saban jumps up on the stage with all of his players down there, and he says, that's exactly what we're going to do tomorrow against LSU. We're going to fight uh, on offense. We're going to fight on defense. We're going to fight to the last player, the last play. We're going to fight, and we're going to win this game. They're all standing up and cheering, <laughs> and that's the difference, the yeah. motivation, uh, something that is very special. And he did that because that was his whole life. Uh, from what I'm told, Nick Saban didn't have any hobbies, didn't play golf, uh, didn't collect anything. All he wanted to do was be a football coach. And so uh, when you've got someone that dedicated with a lot of talent, boy, it's really hard to overcome that, isn't it, Rana? Well, he's the most disciplined person I ever met. I mean, he had a routine. He didn't stray from it. There was no chaos. Everything was managed. And you're right. He coached the same way on the last play of the game as he coached in the first quarter. I mean, he was relentless and, and expected a lot of his staff, obviously, and a lot of them went on to be very successful, too. But he, he took everything in that you, you don't look at him and think of him as being a great motivator because he's uh, a lot of people say it's hard to see him smiling. He seems humorless and all, but he's not in that environment. In that environment, he's laughing. He's enjoying himself. He's intense. He, he shows the emotion. You're right with the people that he wants to show it with, and that's his team. Uh, well, uh, I, and I had uh, uh, one more story where I had an assistant coach who told me, that Saban scared him to death. Every holiday, uh, so on certain holidays, he'd get into the office at 5 o'clock on a holiday because he knew Saban was coming in there about 7 o'clock, and he just he couldn't be there and <clears throat> not be there and Saban show up. You showed up on holidays. I mean, he just was absolutely relentless in his yeah, uh, recruiting, hard work. in his coaching, all that he did. And now uh, 
the new coach from Washington is coming into Alabama. Saban's going to stay in some type of administrative position. I'm sure he has a, a multi-year contract that he has to uh, stay in some capacity to keep his income coming in, which I'm sure is she, well, it's got to be huge, $9, $10 million a year. How would you like to be the new coach and know that in the next <laughs> office down the hall, you got Saban, Nick Saban. Sec yeah, second guessing all your moves, you know? <laughs> My favorite thing he ever told us was that he had weighed the same, you know, college through his adult life and all. He, he weighed the same. His weight never changed. And he said, I, I don't understand people who, you know, get older and gain weight. I don't understand that. Every morning I have my little Debbie oatmeal cookie, you know, I have a cup of coffee or whatever for breakfast. My little Debbie oatmeal cookie. <laughs> he goes, when I when I weigh the next morning, if I've gained some weight, then I don't get the little Debbie cookie <laughs> until I get back down to that pound where uh -huh. I was and all. And we were like, oh, my God, you've, you've everything in your life is disciplined. Right. He's very family-oriented. He's moved his, his wife, Terry, Miss Terry, as he calls her, his family around as they've moved around so that knowing the life of coaches' families is tough. She'd have support system and somebody to hang out with and, and do things. And, I mean, he's been very, always very um, respectful of the fact that they give up a lot, so he makes sure that their life is comfortable and as good as it can be. And now certainly he can afford to do that. Well, he certainly can. I understand he just built a, built, uh, bought a $17 million home down in Naples, Florida. So I guess he plans on getting away a little bit here in the, in the weeks and months to come. So, uh, he can uh, have another career. You know, I, he hated doing commercials, endorsements and all that. When he was at LSU, he just wanted to coach. He wanted to coach. He wanted to win. He did not want to be bothered with any of those things. Those to him, I think, were a distraction. But then, and he didn't think he was particularly good at it. But then he did very well with this Affleck commercial, and he's in the um, Blind Side. He's in a movie, and he he's obviously gotten more comfortable with it. I think winning those national championships, he didn't have that pressure that he was putting on himself quite as much. And he can endorse. He can be like Shaquille. He can endorse every product under the sun, people will hire him to do it. And and uh, the real big money also to a number of people in the same position that Nick Saban's in is speaking to business groups. You know, you can speak to some big oil, oil group and uh, they'll fly you in a private plane down for the speech. They'll pay you, uh, uh, you know, a, a fee of $250,000, $300,000. They'll put you up in a swanky resort and fly you back home. Pretty nice life, you know, to do that three, four times a month and pick up another three, four million dollars along the way. So Absolutely. Uh, he's got it figured out in his, in his later career. And he's earned, rather, he's earned the right to do that. And and in the in the role of the former football coach, he's he's earned every right to uh, enjoy life and, and go off into the sunset. Well, when I was there and I was managing the, all the marketing uh, aspect of, of the athletic department, I was always talking to Little Debbie because I wanted them to really get involved and sponsor. I'm like, are you kidding? You've got this coach who every morning tells everybody he has this Little Debbie cookie. And they, they were like, we'll send as many Little Debbie cookies as you all want. We'll send them, you know, every time he mentions us and every time he tells that story, it's incredible. We'll send as many. I'm like, no, 
He only eats one a day. <laughs> you cannot send a whole lot. That's not what we want. <laughs> uh, well, great coach. We wish him well, and uh, we hope that uh, the new coach at LSU, a $10 million man, will be able to fill the shoes and, and be as successful in this whole new world of, of college football. And before we go, very interesting that Nick Saban's great friend Bill Belichick retired uh, shortly after him, and they were very, very close forever. And another well, Belichick's not retired, Ron, although I'm told that he was interested in the Dallas job that it, it, they were keeping the coach, but that he's the leading candidate to go to uh, the Atlanta Falcons, which is the arch rival of the New Orleans Saints. Oh, he's going to keep coaching. They fired their coach, and uh, from so I gather that uh, apparently he needs 14 wins to be the winningest coach in all of NFL football. Uh, so I think that that would probably take him a season and a half. I don't know if he could do it in one season. but uh, He's going to go for that. He's going to go for that, I think. So, you know, for the right money, uh, who knows where he'll end up. Other interesting great friend of Nick Saban's childhood friend is uh, Joe Manchin from West Virginia. They grew up together. So, might be a spot on Joe Manchin's ticket That's for right. him. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> might be vice president. That's right. On Manchin's ticket. Hey, I might vote for that ticket. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm a registered independent. I might vote for that ticket. So uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll have watch to watch and, and talk about. Hey, all you folks, thanks for listening. This has been Dateline Louisiana. Our website is datelinelouisiana.com. We've got a year of programs to go back you can listen to. We hope you will. You see a lot about Rana and, and me there. Uh, producer Chris has been producing the show today. Our email address, if you have a suggestion for the show, is Huey, H-U-E-Y, at DatelineLouisiana.com. And be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, and then you don't have to worry about downloading or going to the website. It just automatically uh, downloads for you. So a lot of our listeners do that, and we encourage you, wherever uh, you listen to podcasts, just subscribe. At statelinelouisiana.com. Hey, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week on Dateline Louisiana. Jim Brown and Ronna Gray, have a good week and take care. Thanks for listening to Dateline Louisiana with Jim Brown and Ronna Gray. To subscribe to this podcast or contact Jim or Ronna, visit datelinelouisiana.com. We hope you'll join us again next week for more news and reflections from the Bayou State.